Hi there, Pastor Austin Vonnercheck here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message by our guest pastor and friend will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. And again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Dan Eisner. I'm originally from Huron, Ohio. It's great to be with you all today. Today's Bible teaching will be from the Gospel of Luke. We are going to begin at Luke 15 and read 11 through 32. And that is found on page... 1013 in your pew Bibles, if you'd like to turn there and follow along, we'll look at Luke 15, 11, 32. But first, a few introductory comments. Uh, comment one is the word trauma is one that has been thrown around a lot within the last five years. And there are three different types of trauma to look at it from uh, just a basic sense. The first is acute trauma, acute where uh, something particular happens, a one-time event, uh, that is difficult. Next type of trauma is complex trauma, and that's where someone is beleaguered and facing many different trials at the same time. They're facing a trial here, facing a trial there, facing a trial there, complex trauma. Uh, and again, we're speaking in generalizations. The third type of trauma is chronic, and chronic is when you are facing a trial for a long period of time. A recent book about that idea of chronic trauma is called The Body Keeps the Score, where if you're constantly in fight mode over a long time, your body will feel the effects of trauma. And uh, the definition of trauma, just again on a real generic basic sense, is a deeply disturbing experience. And the outcome of trauma is something is taken from you. Uh, but today here in a Christian church, we are here to celebrate the good news, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the question that will be guiding our time this morning is, how are we made whole? Uh, how do we get a new heart? Uh, the 23rd Psalm says that God restores our soul. 2 Corinthians 5 says, in Christ, we are a new creation. If you broke your arm, Doctors would be able to fix your arm. If you got uh, a slash through a hockey game or a boxing match, doctors could be able to stitch you up. How do we have healing from trauma in the wounds of the heart? This is a big question, and the Bible invites our big questions, which is why we will turn uh, to the Gospel of Luke. But one more uh, introductory comment, which is just a story. This is my second time preaching here. Maybe you remember last time I spoke on practicing hospitality. One more story of introduction, then we'll dive into God's Word, and this connects to what we'll be talking about and how do we heal from trauma. About eight years ago, my wife Lauren and I and our family moved to Grand Haven, Michigan. And in that early season of moving in with the moving truck outside in boxes, uh, our daughter had some guinea pigs. And if you don't know what a guinea pig is, think of maybe like a mouse and then a hamster, and then a gerbil, and then a guinea pig. And we were in the backyard, and our backyard was totally fenced in. 
And, you know, we took a break from unpacking and moving in, and we would actually let the guinea pigs run around the grass. And, you know, we'd be playing frisbee, playing catch, and it's not like they could run too fast, so we're watching the guinea pigs run around. And even though, uh, in theory, our backyard was totally fenced in, our neighbor's dog, as dogs are good at doing, found a way into the yard. And uh, within a blink of an eye, this dog... Uh, pounced on the guinea pig. And, you know, what do we do in conflict, fight or flight? I quick ran over, kind of pinned the dog down, was trying to pry its jaws open, to which our neighbor came into our yard and said, what are you doing touching my dog? I said, your dog is killing my pet. Uh, Hi, I'm Dan. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Um, To which the casualty was a lost guinea pig. Uh, The casualty was a lost guinea pig. So, I grew up in a sports family. I operate a lot through sports. So we had a, a team meeting where we brought our kids together and huddled over the death of this guinea pig. And all of our kids were elementary school age. I said, so what should we do? Uh, these are kids who grew up in the church. I was a pastor for 17 years, vacation Bible school, Sunday school. I said, how are you feeling? What should we do? So our, our middle child looked with a real calculated face and said, well, the cage was $50. The guinea pig was 30 Straw and water. Dad, you should go ask him for 100 bucks. <laughs> they should pay for it. They've wronged us. Uh, our other child looked at me and said, I don't want to see or talk to them again. They are neighbors, but we should ignore them. Uh, I hate them. I said, Thank you for sharing. <laughs> our youngest, who was in kindergarten, looked at me and without a blink said, Dad, you should kill their dog. <laughs> he, said, he said, they killed our pet, we should kill their pet. And I said, this is, this is wonderful. I'm feeling great as a Christian parent in that we have pay for it, revenge, and shun them. And as we chuckle, those are the responses of our human nature. You can look on TV, you can look in your own life. No one has to teach those responses. But Jesus introduces another way, uh, a different way, and it connects to our question, how are we made whole? Jesus teaches a different way when we're harmed. So for that, we turn to Luke 15, 11, 32, and here's your assignment, and it's not a tease. Your assignment is to look for anything that has to do with math. The title of today's message is Forgiveness in Math, and I'd like to argue that Jesus was one of the world's greatest math teachers. I'm not teasing. So if you hear the word add, subtract, multiply, or divide, if you hear anything that can be counted, pay extra attention because I think that's a clue to where healing can be found. This is the word of the Lord from Luke 15:11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. There's a number. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided, math word, his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. 
When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your, your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We'll end our reading there. This is the word of the Lord. So uh, at the beginning I said this morning that trauma takes something from you. Uh, That day that the guinea pig died without teasing or joking, uh, our children lost their pet. Something was taken from them. They lost fun that day. Uh, Trauma takes something from you. The idea that our backyard is safe was taken from them. This was our new home, all fenced in. Kids go play in the backyard. There was some resistance for a while. Trauma takes something from you. And for the older brother in our passage, something was taken from him. I know that you've heard this passage before. In in the ancient world, in the the Hebrew society, the older brother was to receive two-thirds of the inheritance. Why? Well, maybe mom was still alive. Why? Maybe there were some unmarried sisters. The older brother would receive two-thirds of the inheritance. This is why Jacob and Esau fought over who got the firstborn blessing. Um, So when the younger brother said, I want my inheritance, I said, pay attention to math words. What did the father do? He divided his estate and sold one-third of it to the younger brother. And remember, for the Israelites, land was everything. Land had been given to them by God. So for the older brother to lose one-third, well, what happens if someone takes one-third of my inheritance right now? It's going to decrease in value. So trauma takes something from you. If someone took one-third of your pension today, you wouldn't be happy either. My kids lost something. The older brother lost something. Trauma takes something from you. For the father in our passage, dignity, respect, 
If he was in town, the Bible's written in an honor and shame culture, a respect culture. We live in one today. People would be like, <laughs> there's the dad who sold one-third of his land to give to his son who went to Vegas and lived like wildly. Oh, my goodness, look at him. He lost some respect, some dignity, and he lost a son. Trauma takes something from you. What's been taken from you? Maybe it was something as silly as uh, someone pickpocketing and taking your wallet. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe a, a part of you was taken through a traumatic experience. Uh, today we're asking, how are we made whole? Which is a serious question. And I believe the answer is given in this passage. The ultimate answer is in Christ. But how are we made whole? In our passage, I believe there's a formula that I'll call the path to wholeness. And I know it's silly or cheesy to break it down to three steps, but a close reading of this passage leads us to this point. Uh, the path to wholeness, I'll say, is, is three things. In the first, the younger brother names what happened. So point one is to name it. Uh, after he had spent all his money, after all his wild friends had disappeared, after he was hungry and uh, tempted to eat pig food, he has an epiphany. Uh, he realizes the consequences of his actions, and he names what happened. He names it. The second thing is he grieves the offense multiple times. He says it to himself, I need to go home and apologize to my dad. And then he actually goes home and apologizes to his dad where he names what he had done, where he grieves it personally in his heart, and he grieves it to his father, apologizes to his father. And the third step is he releases it. And a mark of it is to be released into the banquet where the dad killed the fattened calf. Some people call these three steps confess, repent, and reconcile. Uh, you can also call it where you name the event, where you grieve the event, and you release it. So in terms of the older brother, though, where is he at in that stage? Okay, the older brother went through all three of it. He named it to himself. He grieved it to his dad and to himself. He released it. The older brother is outside. This is not a trick question. Uh, where was he at at that stage? He was at stage one. Where was the first time he heard it, where people came out like your brother came home? In fact, you could say there was trauma again because they killed the fattened calf, which he can again be looking at I had steak yesterday. We eat hamburger in the ancient world. It was a big deal. It's not like there were Slim Jim beef jerky sticks all around. So something else, they took the best cow. He's at stage one where he names it, and he is furious. I want to argue this is okay. This is natural. There is no fast-forward button on our life where we can say, name it, grieve it, release it right now. We can't confess, repent, and reconcile. We can't skip those steps. And just to illustrate that point, imagine for a moment right after our guinea pig was killed. I know it's serious, silly, but for our kids, it was a traumatic event. Imagine if right after that happened, I said, we need to be in right, out right, happy all the time. And we are going to go forgive those people. And you're going to go pet and play with the dog that ate your guinea pig. And we're going to do that right now. My kids would have hated me. My daughter would have looked at me and cried. We were at the name it stage. And I'm not here to brag. I make mistakes every day as a dad. 
But that day I got it right. We had a funeral. We buried the guinea pig. No one develops pictures anymore. We went and developed pictures at Walmart, at Walgreens, where we put pictures of Brownie the guinea pig up around our house, where we named it. How are you guys feeling? Dad, I'm crying. We colored pictures of the guinea pig. We had a funeral. We, we released it. We allowed them this process of naming it, grieving it, releasing it. And the older brothers at stage one, remember, trauma takes something from him. People went out and said, your brother who got one-third of the inheritance is back, and he's taken something else from you, a sucker punch to the gut. And he's angry. And psychologists, you know that anger is a secondary emotion that comes on top of hurt. The older brother is hurt, and I argue that that's okay. So how are we made whole? You're really giving us a cheesy formula? Yes, I am, because it's worked for me. Where you name it, you grieve it, and you release it. I think it's in this passage. I believe it's biblical, and I think it's the path to healing. And guess what? Jesus did it too, okay? On the cross, what did Jesus say? He said, Father, forgive them. Before he forgave, he named a lot of things. When Peter tried to be the alpha of the disciples, he said, get behind me, Satan. He named it. When he went to the temple and they had turned the temple into Walmart or Amazon, he flipped tables and said, get the heck out of here. You're turning it into a den of robbers. It's supposed to be... He named it. When Jesus, the night he was arrested, he asked the disciples, will you stay up and pray with me? He was so afraid, he, he cried tears of blood. He went to them and said, you fell asleep again? What the heck? He named it. Sometimes we just want to get right to healing. Where's the fast forward button to healing? doesn't work that way. Where we name it, we grieve it, we release it. Jesus not only demonstrated this in his life where he named things or he called Pharisees out on what they were, he also taught the value of grief and lament. In the Beatitudes, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Which means if you don't mourn, how can you, kids, hurry up, we got to go forgive right now. How many of us try to fast forward through the pain? officiated funerals where people are on their phones doing emails. They don't have time for grief. I'll say, put your phone away. You're grieving your mom. Well, I just got three more work emails. We're not good at acknowledging the shortest verse in the Bible, which is Jesus, Weth, where we name it, we grieve it, and we release it. Man, well, how long does it take to grieve? Some Americans like to be efficient. But the heart doesn't always work that way. One of the most mathematical passages in the Bible, the disciples say, well, how many times do we have to forgive? Seven? Jesus says 70 times 77. It's not an enigma he's giving. Seven is the number of completion and of perfection. Forgive and grieve until the work is completed. Psalm 34 says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So what's the opposite of grieving it? The three stages, how do we get to wholeness? Name it, grieve it, release it. What's the opposite of it? Hurry up, man, get over it. Another personal story from my life. 
this happened in our life, and it's one that we grieve. Uh, my, my son's name is Luke William Eisner. He's named after our grandpa William. Well, William's dad died when he was eight years old. Not proud of this story. And as an eight-year-old, William was crying at church on the funeral. And someone in his family went up to him and said, Stop crying. You're the man of the house. Toughen up. You have to be the man of the family now. Name it. Grieve it. Release it. He didn't get to grieve. He didn't get to grieve that he would have a dad who would fish with him and hunt with him, teach him how to tie a tie and shave. And tragically, I've interviewed family members. William never cried again. He learned the message right there at that funeral. Guys aren't allowed to cry. You aren't allowed to be sad. And sometimes we can say that as Christians. You've got to be in right happy all the time. The older father, the father went out to the older brother, and he engaged his anger. This, this the younger brother took this, and he took that. He ministered to him. He was present with him. Jesus will leave the 99 and go out and find us in our hurt and minister to us so that we can be made whole. Well, what's the third step? Name it. We grieve it 70 times, 77. This hurts. I'm, I'm grieving over this until it's released. That last stage release, again, as Americans, we're efficient. Well, when does it actually happen? And my concluding point on that releasing, I had this in my own life where I wasn't holding on to a traumatic event. I felt like it was holding on to me. In the Old Testament, Jacob wrestled with an angel of the Lord in this mystery. I felt pinned down by the trauma I experienced. And people say, just let it go. I'm like, I'm not holding it. I'm feeling pinned down by it. And if any of you have gone through trauma, maybe you feel frozen in time or stuck in time by this event. So what did I do? Name it. Grieve it. I met with my pastor seven times this summer as a symbolic number of 70 times seven, where we did that. You know, again, the definition of trauma is just a deeply disturbing experience, something that happened a long time ago. We talked about it. We prayed through it. He listened. He asked me questions. I complained. I cried. Don't judge me. I cursed. And in the midst of all that, glory to God, like a, a fever breaks, I felt it, it just released. About to start crying. Felt released from it. Where we name the hurt, where we grieve the hurt, where we release it, so that we can be filled anew with the joy, peace, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, the good gifts of the Spirit that God wants to give to us. I mean, our heart are like pockets. The Bible says, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. There's limited space in these pockets. Sometimes our heart is just filled with this hurt and hate, where we name it, and we grieve it, and we release it to the Lord, or we're released by it, so that we can be filled anew. And I'm not just saying this because I have to. I'm saying this because I believe it. And it's the message of Scripture. And I experienced it myself. So when going back to that older brother, who is at stage one? He's just naming. I'll call him a punk. What the punk younger brother did. Dad, this guy did this. You just gave him the cow. He's naming it. Where are you at in that process? 
Has someone given you permission to grieve so that you can release? Because God's will is that eventually they would be reconciled. Maybe that's what the 23rd Psalm is, is you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So can you see the older brother finally going into the meal? Oh, there you are. You took money, you took the cow. Forgive him. Forgive him. Well, forgiveness is different than trust. What will that look like? I forgive you, but maybe I don't trust you. Are you going to take more animals or take more of the land? Regardless, this is a journey, okay? The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trepidation. The way of the heart is not this simple equation. It is a journey, and in the season of Advent, we're celebrating the journey of Mary and Joseph traveling, uh, the, the shepherds traveling, the wise men traveling. We are traveling from justification to sanctification to glorification to be made new in Christ and we're to be working towards that journey by God's grace. And in conclusion, thank you for listening. We did reconcile with our neighbors who, whose dog killed the guinea pig. Didn't happen that day, but they became dear friends. Where our kids played with their kids, our 